everyone. Welcome to the Stationery Adjacent, to podcast at the intersection of analog and digital productivity. My name is Justin Twyford, and I'm joined by Stu Lennon. Stu, how are you doing today? I'm in fine form. Thank you, Justin. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm looking forward to some nice summer, well, spring weather here, I guess. Uh, but for us, we went from having heat to wanting to put the air conditioning on yesterday. So it's uh, been a good change. How are things in Cyprus? Uh, that was similarly, we've warmed up. Spring has arrived. Uh, we're at uh, 20, 26 degrees we hit today. Um, so yeah, we're, we're ramping up towards summer, I think. Um, unfortunately, our COVID numbers are on the, on the creep upwards, which is a little bit scary. Um, but we're, we're just going to keep doing all the right things, keep getting vaccinated, and hopefully it will all go away. And avoid all the tourists that will be coming in shortly. Well, it looks like we're gonna we're gonna not get them this summer. Is the is the way it's beginning to look because countries who are vaccinating are understandably quite quite scared about letting letting their folk go to places that are a little bit behind the curve. Um, and by that, I mean probably Europe, and I dare say you might pitch in Canada. So, <laughs> um, uh, yeah, tourism season could be quite short this year. I think. Let's start with a little bit of follow-up from last week. Uh, I got a couple of comments from some listeners. Urban pointed out that uh, Kanban boards actually were developed by Toyota in the 1950s with the Toyota production system, which is part of lean manufacturing. And of course, as soon as I thought about Toyota production system, I had to go to TPS reports. Did you ever watch Office Space? Uh, no, it doesn't ring any bells. Uh, there was a scene on it. I've got a link to the YouTube on it. It is the epitome of corporate waste and corporate frugality. It's a kind of a, a satire and a comedy on life in, in a corporation. Uh, somebody gets uh, five different uh, people stopping by his cubicle to tell him that he used the wrong cover report on his TPS report. And did you get the memo? He's got five copies of the memo, which just so reminded me of how some organizations do work. Uh, very productive. Well, you'll have to watch. There's, there's a lot of output. Let's put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, quality, quantity, maybe not the same thing. Uh, Marcus uh, reached out to us and suggested another good use of task boards. He uses them in content creation. Uh, he finds it useful to see where each content production task is, uh, especially with a fluid schedule. I was thinking about it, going, it would probably be way overkill for us because we use a very, very simple process of apple notes just to communicate back and forth and the odd signal thing as we go but it is kind of an interesting thing especially if you're dealing with remote teams uh, marcus is a podcaster himself he has the art supply posse there'll be a link in our show notes and he uses trello for coordinating guests for his podcast he brings in different guests and obviously when you're scheduling different people, Stu and I have a standing date on a Friday for our recording. Marcus has to work in his own schedule, his co-host schedule, and of course the schedule of, and the time zones of the people that he's trying to connect with. And that certainly is something that uh, he finds really, really useful to see at a glance where every guest is and every podcast episode potential is and what the status is. 
Uh, what do you think, Stu? Any use for us in this one, or is it a little overkill for what we're doing? Well, no, I mean, first thing I would say, Art Supply Posse um, has uh, hosts and guests from all over the world, and I mean literally all over the world, Australia, the States, Europe. So coordinating those time zones must be a nightmare. It's When I I'd said last week, I did experiment with Trello once, and it was for this exact purpose sort of uh, content production and where <laughs> things were in the funnel, if you like. I ended up not using it very much because actually I used Ulysses and I have some folders that are sort of ideas, drafts, published. <laughs> so it's, I'm, I'm sort of going down a column rather than across the rows, but it's the same, uh, it's the same sort of thought. <laughs> But yeah, I, I'm delighted that people are listening and that they're uh, feeding back to us. That's very kind of them. Thank you, Marcus. And thank you, Urban. Oh, and by the way, Urban, I'm replying to your letter this week. Ah, behind the scenes. Yeah, yes. A proper letter, Justin, with stamps and everything. All right. Let's uh, talk about our tools of the week. Uh, what have you got uh, this week, Stu? I, first, I have to ask you a question. Have you ordered analog? Because it's in stock. And oh, it is. It is. Oh, yes. Oh, uh, I did see that the last time I looked at it, it was a pre-order for the end of April. And we're only in the middle of April, so I haven't gone back. I may have to do that. Yeah, there you go. Um, second, oh, so my tool of the week, um, Inspire, Inspire Writer, which is an app for Windows. Um, as I think we've touched on before, I have a Windows laptop. Uh, which I'm experimenting with how that's going to fit into my world. Uh, but I write, predominantly, I write on Ulysses, which is uh, Mac and iOS only. So uh, I needed something that would uh, allow me to move across the platforms. And Inspire Writer does that to an extent. I'm not sure I'm going to stick with it, and we'll maybe come back to that some other time. <laughs> but it is a lovely app by my limited knowledge of windows apps uh, this is one of the better ones well i i got a couple of questions on the inspire okay. writer Go for it. um one of them i've been on mac far too long apparently because I, I took a look i pulled the link and put it in the show notes this morning for inspire writer i was taking a look at it and it looks like a nice little editor but um the square corners and the little x in the corner that was so windowy's just looked uh, it, it didn't look as pretty as uh, I find the Mac interfaces. Uh, how do you find that to work with? Is it, uh, I guess it's distraction free. So you just maximize it and hope for the best. Yeah. Um, it only works for me if I maximize it. Um, and actually I, I think that's beneficial anyway, because I'm writing. So I want to be focused on just one thing. Um, uh -huh. I am currently working through, um, a whole variety of issues, some of which you've just explained the sort of, oh, this doesn't, this doesn't feel very nice. It doesn't feel very pretty because I've been working on Mac for a long time. Other sort of, oh, well, I suppose they're not, they're not killers, but they're inconveniences of going from one platform to the other. It's just not smooth enough to be irksome mm -hmm. um, to the extent that I'm sitting with the the machine going oh look i'll leave that task until i'm in front of my mac 
it'll be easier. <laughs> now that's not sustainable. That's that's definitely not going to work in the longer term. So I know exactly what you're saying. And really what I'm doing is I'm looking at amending my workflow so that a very expensive Windows laptop doesn't become a paperweight. <laughs> that's pretty much <laughs> where we are. Um, but I would say um, I haven't tried the new M1 uh, laptops. I know you've got one. Um, <laughs> but the keyboard on my Windows machine, which is a, an X1 Carbon by Lenovo, is fantastic. Mm. If I could have that keyboard on a Mac, I would be a very, very happy man. But as I say, I haven't tried the new M1 laptop. So I know they've gone back to previous generation keyboard in effect. Sorry, they've gone with an all new, exactly the same as previous generation. <laughs> the magic keyboard part two. <laughs> More than likely. Um, so I, I know I'm going on, but what's, what's driving me at the moment is a comparison really between the, uh, the big Mac, sorry, the big iPad pro with mm -hmm. the magic keyboard versus a windows laptop, which is a very unfair comparison. Because um, if there are if there are three operating systems in my life, uh, there's um, Mac OS, there's Windows, and there's iOS. And I think for me, even though I really don't like Windows, I increasingly don't like iOS. <laughs> I have to admit, my when we're talking about expensive hardware becoming a paperweight. Since going to the M1 Mac, I've got the M1 MacBook Pro uh, spec bumped up. So I've got uh, more memory, more storage, mm -hmm. uh, and the Pro version. So it's got the cooling on it, which uh, may have been a complete waste of money from what I hear. But anyway, I did go sort of top of the line on that. That laptop goes everywhere in a place where my iPad never does anymore. My iPad most days gets discharged before I actually use it. I plug it in once a week, charge it up, and then I come back to it. Ah, it's at only at 17% again. <laughs> I have a feeling it might change because my iPad does have a cell connection. Okay. And if I can ever get back out to a coffee shop or somewhere that I can work on the go that is not an office or home, then there is a use case for it. And I did enjoy working on it back in the day. But I got to tell you that the new um, M1 Mac laptop with the new keyboard is fantastic. You came from a laptop with the butterfly keyboard, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I had the um, the 15 inch um, that's some sort of legacy now, I suppose uh, the big the big one, the Intel. Uh, I'd say spec'd up with um, that ridiculous thing across the top, the, um, the the little mini screen, the toolbar. Yeah, that thing. Um, which I, you know, I didn't find as offensive as anyone else, but I, I'm far from being a power user, to be honest. And it was okay, but I was using it mostly, um, like everyone else, I wasn't going anywhere. So I was using it mostly in clamshell mode uh, on an external monitor. So the, the keyboard issue didn't really uh, hit home for me. Mm. But if uh, I were a, if money were no option, and if um, Mrs. Lennon was completely oblivious to what I was spending on, things, <laughs> um, I suspect that right now the thing that is drawing me towards it is the uh, MacBook Air. Mm -hmm. um, and 
the thing that I'm probably most looking forward to is are Apple happy to let Windows have the two pound laptop market? You know, so the very lightweight uh, but powerful machine. So the the Mac Air, I think, is about two point eight pounds at its lightest, mm-hmm. um, and that's not sort of uh, the ultra, the ultra portable um, level that you will find in Windows. Yeah, so I'm interested to see if maybe a MacBook will will turn up at this uh, this event uh, because you won't need a big powerful chip in it. Um, so I don't know. It's it's interesting. It's exciting, but I I am looking at um, you know. A, a, a very high spec iPad, a very high spec laptop. I'm thinking, well, surely I should be able to use one of those. <laughs> I, I do have a question because I was banging my head this week. When it's a Windows slash Microsoft question, mm-hmm. and I'm hoping that you might have an answer. I was typing in Markdown in drafts. I quite often draft little bits of email so I don't accidentally hit that send to or reply to button. I'm not Mm -hmm. sure if you do anything weird like that either. I was writing an email in drafts and it was a longer email than I normally would. I'd got some formatting in there. And uh, as I'm used to in most applications, I just copy and paste and I copied and pasted and had all my markdown language and I could not find any way in the Mac outlook to convert Markdown or teach to teach Outlook how to read Markdown language. Do you know if there's such a way, or is Microsoft just saying a big up yours to the rest of the internet? Um, I'm not aware of one. Um, I haven't tried. Um, I find Outlook probably the biggest negative. Sorry, Outlook on Windows or on even on Mac, I find it the most um, irritating app there is it's not bad on ios to be honest it's not a bad little mail client but um yeah i I don't know is the answer Mm. um and it's you're bumping into the kind of issue that that is driving me up the wall where i'm thinking wouldn't it be nice if um you know but i don't want to go off on a huge tangent on this but um you know apps that work across platforms wouldn't that be nice I would be. Uh, yeah, I was uh, into drop-down menus and highlighting text, and I spent far too much time doing the little bit of stuff that already had been key to Markdown. So it was like, oh, I've got to convert this to this and delete this, and uh, it was just frustrating. So mm. I thought maybe you had a good answer with your Windows experience, and it was a good time to bring it up. I have an analog tool for us this week. Oh, good. Field notes, heavy-duty. And I believe you wrote a post on this a little while ago. Yeah, it's, um, I, I think I described it as a sleeper. <laughs> oh, it completely is. Because I think, I think you, me, many people went, mm, yeah, okay, uh, when it was released. Um, and I know lots of people who, um, who don't subscribe because it gets a little bit complicated international. Um, and they, they buy from, from me at Nero's notes and they just didn't come for heavy duty. They weren't interested. Um, and yet everybody I've spoken to who's, who's actually bought some of them. Wow. These are really good, <laughs> really handy. 
Yeah, I had a case for it this week. Uh, so I've had, my, my area is getting pretty hot for real estate. So I've had uh, people knocking on the door, offering me uh, amounts of money that are interesting enough to have a conversation with the family uh, to sell my house, you know, but that leads to a whole lot, lot of other questions, mostly. Great, if I sell this, where do I go? Mm-hmm. So we've been sitting, having some family thought processes and pros and cons and the ideal thing that comes with a list. And obviously when you start looking at, you know, to do lists of if we do move, what do we need to do first before we sell the house, all of those things. Right. And I, I happen to have that on my desk and I've used it once, a, once in a while. So I got it when it came out and I didn't really find a great use for it. But I tell you, in that type of situation where you're jotting down notes and you've got the graph on one side and the lines on the other, it was perfect. I was using a nice Blackwing pencil with it and I just loved it. And it was just like, wow, this really does, when you have that use for it, this really does become a fantastic format. And like you, I think it was very overlooked. So I thought I'd give it a bit of a shout out because it does have some really good use if you can get to it. Agreed. I think it's a great little notebook. I've got several hidden away in the mountain hideaway here. Uh, do you use the belly band with it? No. Okay, good. It's not just me. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's one of those things that looks great on it, and it's immediately inconvenient. <laughs> Slows down your access to the notes. No good at all, but it does look good. Yeah, I figure with the heart, it's sort of got a hard cardboard cover on it. You don't really need to have that belly band. But uh, I was actually thinking because I put the link in the show notes this morning for it and went, oh, yeah, I came with the belly band. I wonder where I put that. Um, and <laughs> <laughs> I had completely forgotten. So I was curious. Anyway, let's uh, talk to our topic for this week the importance of routines. And I'll even call them rituals. So my question is, what's a routine? I've got, I've got a dictionary definition here. Mm-hmm. I wanted to kind of compare routine and ritual. So a, a, a routine, according to dictionary.com, is a customary or regular course of procedure, commonplace tasks, chores, or duties that must be done regularly or at specific intervals, typically a typical or everyday activity. And I thought that was really kind of the point to me is it's commonplace stuff, but must be done regularly and at specific intervals for what I wanted to talk about. Mm-hmm. A ritual, which I kind of look at these as a little bit of a ritual, is an established or prescribed procedure for a religious or other rite. And I thought about the difference between those two words, which is somewhat semantical, but at the same time, is very, very symbolic in terms of personal productivity. At least I think so. Because a ritual is something that must be done as a prescribed procedure, if you like. It's something that I don't feel comfortable with. My personal ritual is that I do these things. I execute a procedure, a routine, but do I do I make it a ritual? I don't know. What do you think, Sue? I think... Routines that become established, to a certain extent, I think they take on some of those aspects where, um, again, I I wrote a post about this this week, um, and I call them my anchor points, where if 
uh, if I'm feeling demotivated or overwhelmed or just not feeling it, if you like, uh, my routines are my anchor points. They're the things that actually get me going and get me through the day. Um, and so I, I think to a certain extent, they do take on some of that sort of, uh, the word right comes up a lot. Um, so what am I trying to say? I guess it's customary for me to wake in the morning and to uh, do some meditation and write my journal. Mm-hmm. That's, that's what I, I established as a routine. And I did that because I feel it helps me focus. It helps me center. It helps me, sorry, it helps me center is one of those wonderful cliches and it doesn't mean anything. Um, it, it sort of helps me be present and in, in right there. Okay, here we are. What does today hold? What are we going to be doing? What is it all about? And, and it sets off that planning routine for me. And so I suppose to a certain extent, the meditation is a ritual that is part of the routine. In so far as I don't think the meditation helps me plan, but it puts me in the right place to plan mentally. And yeah, there there is a difference and then there isn't a difference. Mm -hmm. Do do you see what I mean? I think some people, uh, myself included, get very suspicious of words like rights, certainly where religion comes in, you think, okay. Um, But it doesn't have to be that. I'm not saying that uh, dictionary.com is wrong. I just think that um, a ritual now is some sort of routine that has additional meaning. For the person performing i think that's exactly what i was trying to get across is the additional meaning because they're more than just a routine a routine i, I wash the dishes when i get home at night or when i finish work that's a routine it doesn't mean anything other than it keeps my wife happy the other side of that is a routine where i start up my morning or i complete my business day that is much more of a ritual because that allows me to get into a particular frame of mind and to focus myself in a certain way. Anyway, semantics, we don't have to go on about that too much. I, I'm assuming you use routines, rituals, whatever we want to call them today. Uh, yeah, I mean, I alluded to one there. My, my, my big one, if you like, is the morning routine. And that's uh, I suppose I have the most control over the morning routine in that I get up first. Um, the dogs stay in bed when I get up. My wife stays in bed when I get up. It's just me. And that sort of quiet time uh, is probably the only time in the day when there's nobody else making demands upon me. So there's no emails pinging. There's no messengers going. There's no real prospect of anybody wanting me to do something at, at five o'clock in the morning. So uh, I have a an established morning routine. I do review it sort of every quarter. I have a quick look just to make sure because I have a tendency, I've noticed, um, and others may laugh, to, to go overboard. So I found myself um, last year, I found myself doing four different types of journaling every day. Um, so, you know, I needed longer days so I could fit in journals to write about the days. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, 
my morning routine is uh, that I that I get up. Uh, the first thing I do generally uh, is I empty the dishwasher. Um, and as you say, keeping keeping the other half happy, that's a quick and easy win for me as long as I do it quietly. <laughs> then I will uh, meditate. Um, I use, I think I've said before, I use Calm uh, on my phone. And then I will complete my journal, which tends to be sort of half a page of the previous day. I will finish off the entry from the previous day uh, and then half a page of the current day. So it'll be what happened. It might be anything. It's, it's nothing consequential, usually. I think if somebody were to sort of rediscover my journals 100 years from now, they'll think, what is this rubbish? <laughs> but it, it's got that sort of element of, of ritual for me that it kickstarts, that process kickstarts my planning, which is what comes next. So once I've uh, done my hippie stuff and I've done my journal, I've done my meditating, uh, that's when I will pull out um, either the laptop or the iPad um, and start looking at my calendar, my to-do list, start pulling together a little bit of time blocking and, and how my day is going to look. So um, at this point, I'll be drinking espresso, just uh, sort of kickstarting the body as well. Uh, and then I'll get an idea of, of what the day is going to look like. And then generally, I will do my first hour or first hour and a half uh, of creative work. So probably writing. I'll, I'll, I'll write a blog piece or I'll uh, write a chapter or you know what, what, whatever's going on in my life. I will get that done then, uh, by which time the sun is up. The dogs are stretching, giving me that sort of, you know, yoga pose look and a bit of exercise might be good now. Uh, and then I go off for, for a walk with my dogs. That's every morning starts like that. Uh, dogs love routine. So, so they're pretty keen to keep me uh, on that. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I, do, I, I think it's invaluable. I really, really like that, that sort of morning routine. Do you have a morning routine? Not as, well, I do, but not as such as yours. Um, I do things a little differently. I actually have three routines. I have a, an evening routine, which starts my morning. So it's a little different than yours getting up and doing the planning. I plan out at the end of the night, eight o'clock at night, I have a little task manager beep on my phone that tells me plan out 90 minutes for the next morning. Okay. And that's all the process I do is I look at what I'm working on, what I need to work on, whether that's podcasting, whether it's writing, whether it's some other project that I've got going, that is 90 minutes of time. I'm up before five usually, and the family starts getting up. The dog gets up at six 30. So that is sort of my end time. So I've got 90 minutes of uninterrupted time that I use and I plan out the night before. That's my ritual. Sort of like you at 6.30, I look after the dogs, I get my breakfast, and then by 7.30, I actually start what I class as my morning routine, which is a checklist going from creative work to corporate work. And I have a corporate checklist that I actually have that I go through in some detail to make sure that I've I'm prepared for the day. I plan my day, my business days in the morning. I plan my uh, creative days at night. I plan my uh, business days in the morning. 
And that gives me an opportunity to really make sure that I'm focused on the right things and that I know exactly where I'm going that day. So it's a little different than yours. Yeah. And you actually touch upon something that I'm really interested to, to sort of draw out from you. And that's, um, the power of that evening planning, because I'm, I'm aware of the theory. The theory is that by sort of deciding what the next 90 minutes or the first 90 minutes of the day will hold for you the following day, that actually your brain kind of does all that work while you're asleep. Um, and you, you awake and it just, just flows out of you. That's, that's the theory. Is, is that, do you find that accurate? Does that what happens? Well, flowing at five o'clock in the morning may not be quite the right word, <laughs> but it's close. Uh, yeah, it really allows me, like I can get up in the morning and I know what I'm working on and I can avoid email. I can avoid Slack. I can avoid any of my social channels because I'm not looking for something. Mm -hmm. I know what I'm doing. I'm prepared the night before. And I find that I don't spin my wheels. You know how you start a new task and sometimes you kind of have that slow ramp up. For sure. I grab, I grab my cup of coffee, my very large espresso, uh, and I'll sit down and I'll get right to work. And I know what I'm doing. I've got it written on a piece of paper in front of me. And it's just so productive for me. It's time that I have a tendency to dawdle a little bit. You know, all of a sudden it's a nice day out. I'm going to go sit and watch the birds in the garden for 10 minutes. And, you know, then I'm going to go and I'm a little peckish, so I might have my breakfast a little bit earlier. And all of these things that cut into the amount of time that I have, that 6.30 for me is a hard cutoff. My dog is up. My wife is generally up. Uh, my teenage daughter, that's a whole different story. That's uh, that's a fight <laughs> to get her up at 6.30. But uh, I was going to say, she's probably got a few hours to go. <laughs> but yeah, I really come down to, I, I come down to knowing exactly what I want to do. And I guess part of that is having that clarity the night before, um, waking up with the enthusiasm for here's what I'm doing today. You know, yeah, some, some mornings, you know, uh, particularly, I, I know you may not know too much of these things, but it gets rainy and dark and cold up here. Sure. And, uh, it's very easy to look at that, that phone or that, uh, Apple watch and, you know, right on the way, wrist, it says dismiss or snooze. And the big, the big snooze button is actually highlighted on the Apple watch, and, <laughs> which is the easier choice there. You know, getting up is, is hard. Getting up and doing the stuff is hard. And having that direction set for me is really great for personal motivation. Get up, get out of bed and hit it hard. And how long does your, um, evening planning take? Probably five, 10 minutes. It's very, very rudimentary. So what I'll do, part of my evening plan is I will track my daily goal progress. So I'll go through my workbook from last night. I use, um, we've talked about it before, sort of bullet journal notation. I've got notes, I've got tasks. I kind of rate, I just pick three things that I want to do. Some of them are going to be creative stuff. Some of them are just chores that I'm going to need to do on a particular day. And I will go through, I'll look at what I actually got accomplished. And if I, I, you know, I'll, I'll kind of admit this out loud, but 
if there's anything of importance that I've got done that wasn't on that plan, let's say I got my three things done for the day or four things, and there's something that's kind of moved the goalpost, I'll actually write it on there because I want to sit and reflect in the end of the night, how did I do? And based on how I did that day, how do I think I'm going to do? It's very easy to get too ambitious about what you're going to do and have this huge list of things that, you know, I've got uh, 12 hours worth of personal projects as well as a full corporate job to do. But it's, it's important for me to kind of go through that, reflect that. And because I keep that process completely separate from corporate, it really does help me focus on my creative sides, my creative endeavors. Okay. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm anxious to, to try and, and harness that. Because yeah, I think what it does is, as you say, it harnesses the subconscious and it, it sets the motivation. And uh, as you say, everybody wakes up sometimes just not feeling it. Okay. Now, I, I will generally find it during my dog walk. I, I may have you know, already lost 90 minutes by the time I go for a, for a walk with the dog. So, yeah, it's really good. And then the other one, I'm going to quiz you again. I'm sorry, this is, this is all about you today. But um, your afternoon shutdown is very much what I'm trying to get to. Um, mm-hmm. I, when pushed, I would say, oh, yes, well, at the end of the day, I shut everything down and make sure I know where I am. But I don't often. I find this really difficult as a discipline to maintain. It is, it is a very, very tough one. The, especially if you're, if you're like me, there is no hard cutoff at the end of the day. You know, I've got a suggested cutoff, Mm -hmm. but it's very easy to miss that and carry on. I'm busy. I've got this. I'm on a, I'm on a roll. And if there's nothing particularly pressing in the, uh, right after that, it can vary by an hour. I try not to schedule time into the evenings anymore. I used to do that. Uh, I found it very, very quickly diminishing returns. Oh, absolutely. I, I could do that if I have a project coming up, if there's a deadline that I need to do. But if I've worked a full day with key, key focus blocks in there, you know, enough of those focus blocks to really move the needle. I'm pretty much done at a certain time, you know, shutting down, getting that break. The next day I'm so productive. If I carry on working for 16 hours, yeah, I'll get that job done, but I kind of lose it the next day, you know, or maybe not the next day, but two days later, if, if you work too many of those long, long shifts, and sometimes you have to do that. I hate to say shifts in, in a negative way, but sometimes, you know, you, you do need to work into the night or overnight or whatever that is, because you've got things that need to be done. But I, I've always found when I go to that extreme, I'm really just borrowing for my productivity for the next day, two days, three days, something like that, depending on how long I've been doing that. So I do like to have a ritual. Uh, for me, I have these as omnifocus tasks. So this is one of the questions that I was going to ask for you. I have, so I'm, I'll, I'll go through what I do here because maybe it's yep. a little easier for our listeners to actually visualize. I have a morning startup routine that kicks off at 7.30 a.m. That's when I want to transition from, here's my morning productivity time for me to here's my corporate time. 
and I'll review my vision. I'll review my time tracking from the previous day because we're going to talk about this next week, but what get me- what's, what you measure is what you focus on. I review my sleep tracker just so I can get a good idea of what my energy level is going to be. Um, mostly because I schedule my day that day. I'm looking at energy as a, as a key factor for how much energy do I have? You know, if I didn't sleep well, I know that come the afternoon about two o'clock, I'm not going to have to put anything heavy into my plan because I'm not going to be as effective as I want to be. So you can kind of schedule around your own energy level. So I do that. I review my journal from the previous day. I look at what got closed off, what needs to be done. I open up my task manager and this is one of the few times I do that in the day. I don't live with a task manager open much like I don't live with, uh, email open. I check it, whatever goes in there. I plan my day. I review my journal. I put in transition to the current day, what needs to get done, what big blocks are on there. Same with the OmniFocus, what's deferred date task management stuff is coming up that I need to work on. Now, one of the things you may not have to do, but I have to do because I'm in the West coast of Canada, which means I'm 10 hours behind Stu. I'm three hours behind everybody in the East coast of the, uh, us, which is where a lot of the business that I deal with is, I have to kind of check because I've got to look at Slack. I've got to look at work email. I've got to look at the group emails that I'm in. I don't answer things. But what I'm doing is looking for things that have come up in a time zone ahead of me. Sure. Um, I'll scan those. That process should take me no less than 15 minutes. I'll then pick the top three things that I want to do today. And then more importantly, I'll actually schedule those in time blocks based on a combination of, you know, working around meetings or other activities that I've got my office hours, for example, I'll work around those. And also I'll look at my energy level and explore you know, break it, break down my tasks according to how I'm going to be focused. Now, this isn't part of this conversation, but I do have a little reminder on my phone that buzzes once on the hour, just for me to see how is my, it's a moment to reflect on how does my energy level feel today? Because energy level for me is one of the biggest things that does affect my productivity during the day. And realizing that accepting it and scheduling around it, it just makes you that much more productive, especially if you can block email and administrative tasks. And unfortunately my job does have some of those. I can schedule those for times when I'm going to be a little, a little low. Um, and that that's kind of my morning routine. Mm-hmm. I have an afternoon routine. It pops up at three forty-five. Now the idea is that that shuts, that pops up. 15 minutes before I want to finish my ideal work day. If I finish 7.30 till 4, if I do that, I've had a very, very productive day. Especially when I hit the time blocks and the objectives that I want to do. But I found that I need to have a little bit of space at the end of the day because there is a little bit of administration in there. I'll go through, I'll review my journal. I'll review my I'll open up and, and look at my OmniFocus again. What I'm looking for is anything that has popped up. I'll check off the things in OmniFocus that I've actually accomplished. 
I'll look at my upcoming stuff and see if I need to reschedule it based on what's happened during the day. I'll then go back into Slack and email. I'll reopen those applications and I'll look at those and make sure that I've got on top of anything, got back to people that need to be get, got back to, et cetera. I'll clear drafts. Now I use drafts as a capture application, uh, both on my phone, my watch and on my computers. Everything comes into one bucket, if you like. Uh, have you used drafts, Stu? Yeah, I, I did. It was, uh, it was on my dock for a while on my uh, phone. <laughs> but then, then if you go cross platform. <laughs> yeah. If you use uh, an Apple watch, I have it as a complication on my screen. Less of an issue now I'm working from home, but let's say I'm driving, I could push that button and I can dictate a memo to my watch. And I don't know what drafts does because Siri, Apple's dictation is not great, but drafts is really, really good. I get very, very good um, notes on my Apple watch from that. So just a tip if anybody's in the Apple architecture. But I'll go through and I'll make sure that everything that I've captured during the day has been processed, whether that's put into my journal, whether that's put into OmniFocus, whether that's created into another file that I have. Let's say it's just a notation. Uh, I'll make sure that it is archived and clear. That way, when I'm looking at that tomorrow, I've just got whatever I processed in that day ready to go. And then the most important thing is I shut down everything. I shut down all of my business-related apps on my phone, on my computer, and then I'm done. And you know, that, that reminder starts kicking up at 3:45, but it's not usually done there. It's just a reminder. This is when it needs to be done in an ideal world on a quiet day. Great. You can do it there. But before I leave for the day, before I leave my office and walk the 12 feet to my kitchen, that is really an important part. Sh shutting down, getting everything out of your mind that you haven't captured, putting it in the right place so that tomorrow, you know, exactly everything is, everything is there tomorrow where you can plan it and where you need it to go. Uh -huh. Yeah. I mean, I think looking at uh, what you do, I'm just looking at you sort of point by point, um, and, and the bits that I don't. So review your vision. I find that really interesting because that's presumably that's about just keeping you going the right way and not heading off on someone else's agenda. I'm guessing that's what that's all about. That's exactly what that's for. Reviewing the time tracking. I'm, I'm one of those people, again, we're going to talk about this next week, but um, I do a lot of time tracking and I probably don't review it enough. That's what's coming out of, of this. Sleep tracker, okay. Journal from the previous day, okay. Review OmniFocus, all right. I do that with things. We're okay there. Yep, I do the same as you in the morning. I I, I check um, the distraction channels or work channels, as some people call them. So um, Slack, work, email, um, per, well, all my emails. So I have, like you, well, I've copied your system, so you, you know my system. I have uh, several different apps, and I'll just go around those, check everything off, just see what's happened. Are there any fires I need to deal with? Um, pick the top three things. Yep, I do that. Um, and I write them on a on a card and schedule the time blocks. Then um, where you're talking about, you know, clearing drafts, I, I, I clear my notebook. So I'll go through my notebook where I will have 
that's my predominant capture area. Um, and at the end of most days, there'll be something saying, you know, add to things or make a journal note or whatever. And, and I'll try and just cross through those. It used to be pocket notebooks. At the moment, it tends to be sort of desk notebooks because well, we're stuck at our desks. Um, and it's just more fun using a big A5 that I can get fountain pens onto and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, we're, we're quite similar. But I think there's a few points there that I'm missing that I think I could maybe maybe learn from. And also just trying to to get that. I'm sure you would have heard it as well, but pre-pandemic, I, I don't know if it was MPU or um, the Focus, uh, what was it, Focused, um, David Sparks talked about apps that he was using to to essentially shut down his computer in front of him <laughs> to try and to try and make the afternoon shutdown happen. I think he suffers from the same disease as us, and the afternoon becomes the evening, and before you know it, it's bedtime. Very easy to do. Yeah, I haven't heard him say it recently. Yeah, I I'm not sure I would want to do that uh, because there is some flexibility in my day. You know, and and that that's important for me to have that flexibility. That uh, if work got shut down, that I'd be, um, I, I could see myself being frustrated. The purpose of the shutdown for me is not necessarily to enforce a time, but to enforce the context shift in my brain. Yeah. If I go through this ritual, I know that I have no loose ends. Everything is captured and stored in a place that it will need to be for when the appropriate time's there. What that means is that dinner time, I can engage in a conversation with my family and not be thinking about all the things that, oh, did I remember to do this? Did I remember to do that? And for someone like me, and I'm sure you're probably a bit the same, it's very, very easy to have that constant mental chatter in the back of your mind, which is, I think, what it got me into productivity methodologies in the first place. How do I get it out of my mind and how do I keep away that I'm, I don't wake up at three o'clock thinking about something I forgot to do the previous day? Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree 100%. I think one of the, the best changes I've made over the last few months uh, was to, to enforce uh, a sort of close rather than, um, you know, I was assessing some of my hardware that we touched on at the start of this episode. I, I assess on my hardware by my ability to use it on the couch. And, and that's where the problem was, was that my day was just rolling on and on. And it turned out in the evenings, I was neither at home nor at work. Mm -hmm. I was just useless at both. Um, and by enforcing that, that cutoff, um, a, it means before I stop, I'm, I'm more focused because I think, okay, I've got to get all of this done and finished or at a point where I can pick it up again tomorrow. And then when I'm upstairs, uh, back in the house, back in the, the, the world of family, I'm present. And uh, that's so much nicer. It gives, your, it gives your brain, whichever bits of your brain handle whichever functions, they need rest. And just that division so important. It's made a huge difference to me over the last few months. Mm -hmm. And that, that's part of the same reason that I have the morning startup as well, because I'm shifting context from, I get up doing my creative side things, my side hustles, because I want to be hip and use the cool words. Uh, but I get up and I, I work on my creative stuff. 
And then I want to shift my context to say, okay, it's time to grow up, put your big boy pants on, which, you know, big boy pants, uh, this year have been, uh, changed into your dress sweatpants. <laughs> uh, but you know, the, the idea is still the same that I want to say, okay, here I go. I'm in professional mode. Now my background professionally is quite juxtaposed to what I do from talking on podcasts and writing about stationary and other things. So there is a context shift in there and it's surprising how much that refocusing yourself, switching your context, having to click, I've done this on my, um, task manager really switches my brain over from I'm writing about this to all of a sudden I'm focused on this and now I'm, I'm working on, you know, corporate style work, which is quite different. Uh, do you do anything? Cause I know your businesses are perhaps a little bit more fluid. Do you do anything to switch context throughout the day? Or is that a little more fluid and, and dynamic in, in your life? Uh, it is fluid. Um, problematically so I would say at times, um, I'm trying to balance, um, my, uh, consultancy business tends to be quite reactive naturally. Um, so I'm a, I'm a retained expert for several people and, and if they need my expertise, they tend to ask for it. So that can be, that can, can throw a bit of a, a spanner into whatever works I've planned. Mm-hmm. Um, the sort of jobby job corporate I'm, I'm a cog in the machine role is very much hampered by, um, the pandemic at the moment. So conditions are very difficult. We're not really allowed to go out and meet people, uh, and sort of key customer base, uh, relies on travel and there's not a lot of that going on in Europe. So that's, um, that's difficult, but at the same time, there are all those corporate obligations that, um, you know, I look at my, my calendar and as we've spoken before, I defend it quite fiercely. And yet there are still, I think eight hours this week put in my calendar, which I can see no actual real gain from you know if you um you referred before to the 37 signals uh base camp has now is books so rework and the type of productivity that they talk about you know something real something actual that comes out there's none of that it's a it's a meeting about having a meeting <laughs> you, you look at eight hours and you think wow that's and it's, you know, I, I'm, it's not a criticism. It's all very well meant, but the, the corporate mentality is so far removed from my own. Mm. So, you know, with Nero's, uh, the other business, what was I doing? Uh, I, I was responding to a customer who had an issue, um, and he'd reached out to me on Instagram. I'm like, okay, who messages on Instagram? Well, this guy did, and he's my customer. So he's right. <laughs> So, you know, try, trying to help him out. And then that then leads to, okay, I need to do something with the system here. And I need just to uh, amend inventory there. Um, and you know, Claire's, Claire's not working today. So it's, it is fluid in that respect. And the way I try and change context is I'm experimenting at the moment with, uh, with desktops, uh, in Mac OS. So I have certain apps that kick me into certain desktops. Mm-hmm. So if I go for Microsoft Teams, then suddenly I'm in the corporate world and there's, there's you know, Microsoft Outlook in front of me and all of that stuff. Uh, I have a different notebook that I use um, in front of me. Um, and 
I will then switch into that mode. I, I used to have different phones and all that stuff. I'm, I'm moving away from that. Uh, but it is a problem. It's absolutely a challenge to keep those context shifts uh, short and effective. <laughs> because if you're not careful, you can end up being 100% reactive, getting to the end of a day and going, well, what happened? Where'd it go? Do you have to, because of your reactive nature for our customers and for clients, let's say for the consulting business, Mm -hmm. Do you have to keep email and social media open? No. Um, customers learn quite quickly. So um, in terms of reaction to anything on Nero's, the thing I've always said to people is, I will get back to you the, next, uh, the same day if I find it. Uh, generally speaking, I manage to accept with anything that's run by Facebook because um, I've looked at Instagram for the last three days and there's been no message. And today there was a message showing from four days ago. How, how does that work? Right. It's part of their unified messaging app, isn't it? That they keep uh, trying to push on me every time I log in. Yeah, well, they're now trying to push on me um, some some unified um, management app so that if I want to cross-paste from Instagram to Facebook, I have to fill in this. Just another way of getting me to, to agree to privacy invasion, I think. But you know, things like that um, are quite reactive. But I, I just, people have to get accustomed to the fact that I'm not on. I do not have my email open and I do not have Slack open. Um, I, I will open them during the day, probably because I'm goofing off with Slack, but um, with uh, email, I will probably check my email twice a day, I would say, um, you know, once in the morning and once in the afternoon, as most people are, are, you know, sort of in the meat of their afternoon. I'm like you, I'm come four o'clock. There's, there's not much creative coming out of me. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be fairly sort of wind down admin type stuff because I've been going since five. Um, but no, I, I don't have that, that particular issue. Um, and people know if, if people need to get hold of me, uh, I'm old phone me <laughs> and I will answer on multiple phones. <laughs> yeah, we've got that all down to, I've now got multiple phones that all direct to one, but there you go. Ah, that's a good way to do that. Interesting. One question I did have, because this is, this is a debate that I have with myself and I keep going back and forth on it. My startup, my, my routines have a lot of sub steps to them. And I find it easy to get in the habit of skipping one or more of them mm -hmm. if they're not in front of me. But if I put them in my task manager, then I have a lot of things to click off and it makes my days look very, very muddy and ugly, you know, like I'll have my afternoon review, even at a, with a deferred time, it kind of shows they're grayed out until it's time to actually do that. Mm -hmm. I, I keep going back and forth between, do I put these in or do I not? And I'm not sure what's the best. What do you do? Do you have anything about your routines and your context shifts in your task manager, or is it just part of the the routine of getting up for you? Um, it depends. The ones that I'm trying to achieve, 
ones that are not have not become habitual, then I will put them into uh, the task manager or even the calendar on occasion. But the ones that have become a habit, then no, I don't put them in the task manager because I'm comfortable that they're there. Having said that, just having a conversation with you this afternoon, this morning for you, has made me realize that I don't review my time tracking, which begs the obvious question, why do you do the time tracking? Although, as we will discover next week, I might argue there is still a reason to do it. I, I will therefore, from this conversation, I have made an, an action point for things to schedule <laughs> reviewing my time tracking. Because, you know, I'm sure you don't spend an hour and a half doing it, but five minutes, I think, is really instructive and informative to go, wow. Particularly for me where I'm going, okay, how much have I spent on consultancy? How much have I spent on neuros? How much have I spent on creativity, uh, podcasting, whatever? Um, that's, that's really uh, a worthwhile exercise. Yeah. Because, well, you know, we're terrible at, at, at estimating. Well, certainly I am. Oh, I'll only be, I was only online for 10 minutes, mm, two and a half hours later. The Pomodoro section that you have in the afternoon for a half hour of goofing off, you quickly realize turned into an hour and a half on Amazon. Yeah, exactly. That that one definitely needs needs an alarm. <laughs> yeah, very interesting. Um, I'm as I say, I keep going back and forth as far as these subtasks. I think I mentioned it a couple of weeks ago on the podcast. I had a day, a very very busy day with a big task that was routine, and I knew what I was going to do. Much like my planning out my evening for my hobby jobs, I knew the next day I had this big project on the go and I skipped my morning startup. I didn't look at all of the things. I didn't look in my journal. I didn't look in the OmniFocus. I just jumped right into, I loaded up the programs that I needed and started working on them. And what I realized was I actually missed a couple of things and I had to go back and redo a bunch of work because I had got notes to myself mm -hmm. sure. for that day that were relevant to the task that were written two, three weeks prior. So not stuff that, again, I want to keep in my memory just for that reason that I don't want to wake up at three o'clock in the morning, realizing that there's something due in a week that I haven't forgot. I hadn't written down. It goes in its place, but I had skipped it because I didn't have all those tasks in there. I kind of looked at it and said, Okay, I did parts of it. I clicked off the button that said, yeah, I've done my morning startup. But I did not have to go through and say, have I done this one? And I've done that in the past, and then I got rid of a lot of these extra steps. And I'm contemplating putting them back, and I'm just not sure. It's, uh, it's six and one, half a dozen of the other. I create clutter in one area that I don't like clutter in. But I have clarity and accountability and personal responsibility if I have to click off those in each one. So I'm not sure. I was hoping you were going to have some magic answer for me, Stu, and you haven't helped. I, I think you know the magic answer, and the magic answer is probably that you need to have both. So at times, you need that in there because you need to discipline yourself and get your, your habit formed correctly and you know in a systemic way. <laughs> and then there are times you need to pull it out. And the very fact that it's changed after three months uh, is, is the prompts that you need probably. <laughs> and so 
Yeah, it's just that we, we get into bad habits. Thirsting for consistency. Yeah. Thirsting for consistency is probably not helping. <laughs> no, no. I, you know, I, I think based on this and just, you know, again, this is a great exercise. You know, it's therapy for myself as well. What am I doing? What could I do better? What are the pros and cons? When you have to explain to somebody else, even a friend likes to, it's really, really eye-opening to realize the things you do well, and more importantly, the things you don't do well. And it's hard to be very honest about that and say, you know, I screw things up too. But really, you know, that's part of the process is it's a continual learning process for me. You can't just put in a process and expect it's going to work for you for the next year. There may be times that these things will just become too much overload. There may be times that they're fine and that's what I want to do. But uh, yeah, it's, it's an interesting debate. I have a feeling these might be just um, taken off uh, where they are as a non-recurring task and put back into a recurring task in my OmniFocus just to make my morning startup that little bit more exciting and uh, clickable and help me switch that context. There's nothing wrong with getting a little bit of sort of ticking momentum <laughs> that gets you going. Okay, I'm firing, I'm firing, I'm firing. <laughs> you know, I sometimes mock myself for doing it, but actually um, it can be pretty good. Yeah, the, the end of the day is, does it work for you? There's lots of different ways to be productive. If it works for you, that's great. If it doesn't, maybe that's not the right one. Maybe there's another tool because they are just tools. They are just memory tools for us. But I think, you know, for me, out of this really comes that reminder for me that these routines are about context and context switching and making myself productive in a way that I enjoy, that I hold myself accountable and I enjoy doing what I do rather than just somebody else writing on your wall, telling you, you've got eight hours of meetings about TPS report covers this week, Stu. <laughs> Indeed. I, I want to be able to kind of control my own destiny to, to an extent. And this kind of allows me to do that. Hmm. Any takeaways from this one for you, Stu? Uh, well, yeah, lots for me personally. Um, I, I suppose the one I was going to say, the, the one tip that I found the most important you know, during these pandemic times, the last few months, by setting a hard limit to the end of my day, um, I have become more productive, more relaxed, and I think happier. And those are, those are three very big wins for one little change. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think a routine, my, my one suggestion, if anybody hasn't tried it, is to put a shutdown routine into your day so that you know that when you're done work, and I, I'm not saying it has to be the same time every day because everybody's lives do fluctuate, but have a context switch. Here's my process at the end of the day that I'm going to do everything. I'm not going to shut it down. And that will improve your personal life, your, your mental well-being, especially in a time when a lot of us are working from home. I, I know not everybody is, but a lot of us are working from home and our context is very easy to walk back into wherever we work. 
It's, it's not like we have a commute to the office and then the commute back home and we're done or, you know, to a job site or whatever it is we're doing for work. The reality is that we hit that limit fairly er fairly early and it's, it's on us to kind of say what that limit is. We're going to do that. We're going to move off, switch that context. Excellent. Oh, I think that's a fantastic episode, Justin. Mm-hmm. Where can people find us on the internet, Stu? Uh, well, you can find me at stuartlennon.com or at nearosnotes.co.uk. Uh, or, of course, you can find uh, all the links to me at stationaryadjacent.com. What about you, Justin? Where can people find you? You can find me on the internet at justintwyford.com. I write at writeexperience.com. Show notes for this episode, because I haven't actually told anybody where to get show notes, stationaryadjacent.com slash episodes slash zero zero six. That's the episode number. Uh, please like our podcast and review us on your favorite podcast catcher of choice. And of course, as a new podcast, we really appreciate your recommendation to your friends and colleagues that hopefully could get some use out of some of the things we talk about. Our next topic is going to be somewhat related to this one, tracking and measurement. So we'll find out more about Stu's time tracking next week. Until then, goodbye and stay productive. Yes, us.